Hi, and welcome to the Get Known Podcast. I'm Steve Lee. For those of you new to Get Known, we interview journalists about their work and what they cover so that companies know better how to engage with the press and get their company covered in the media. Our big goal is to make sure the companies out there who are reaching out to the press build the right relationships, pitch the right ideas, and understand better what wastes journalists' time and what wastes their time. This is our second interview from Slush, the world's leading startup event. And my colleague, the amazing Reita Illo, had a chance to catch up with Robin Waters, the founder of TechEU. Similar to the startups they cover, the story of TechEU is one of building from a lowly personal blog into a media company that itself was just sold. Speaking from his experience talking to so many startups and seeing them grow, Robin gives some great advice about getting a company's stories out there and building relationships with journalists. What I love about this interview is that Robin is not all roses. He tells about some of the hard parts of tech news journalism and the difficult choices journalists need to make when deciding what and when to write with so many options out there on the table. So now, I will pass it over to Reita and her interview with Robin Waters. Enjoy. Robin, how has Helsinki treated you this year? Yeah, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, Helsinki's been very kind and very cold. <laughs> uh, uh, colder than usual, because I've been coming to Slush for a long time, but it feels a lot colder but the people make it very warm. I know it sounds cliche, but it's so good to see people again, and especially in Slush, which is always, you know, it's volunteer-driven, student-organized. Uh, it's, it's always such a good vibe, so it's good to be back. Yeah, the volunteers really worked hard this year to shovel snow to the ground, so it would look yeah. more pretty this oh, time around. Yes, that's at least the rumor, has the it? The rumor. It's the volunteers. So, um, before we get more deeply into just, you know, what TechEU is about and so on. Tell a bit about yourself. So what is your background? Yeah, happy to. I wasn't actually trained as a journalist, so I, I studied marketing and I worked for a couple of tech companies. Uh, and I got really interested in the whole Web 2.0, like new types of uh, generation of entrepreneurs in the mid 2000s and started blogging on my own. And then from blogging as a hobby became professional blogging and becoming like a proper journalist and now running a media company. So I feel like I've I've taken a few steps there. Uh, but in reality, it's just like it was 15 years ago, just you know, writing about innovation and then writing about startups, which is what I really enjoy doing. Uh, and yeah, that's in a nutshell sort of my, my career. Right. And tell us a bit about, well, maybe all of our listeners do at least have heard of TechEU, but please tell a bit more. What is your media all about? Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll give some context first because I started professionally blogging, as I said, a while ago, 12, 13 years. Uh, and I was at TechCrunch at the time. I worked for TechCrunch for four years, I think, working for the US side from Europe because there was no European tech scene to write about. There was, but not enough to build a media company on top of. And then I joined the next web as their European editor afterwards for about a year and a half. And in 2013, uh, me and a group of people from the ecosystem, from the community, uh, Roxanne Varza, who runs Station F uh, campus in Paris now, John Bradford, who was doing Tech Stars in London, we said, like, you know, European tech is really, really moving. There is so much going on. These stories are not being told by anyone, including TechCrunch and the next web. We should build our own. We should have like a platform of our own. And that uh, became TechEU. So I had bought the domain name, 
just uh, like a few months before we started the company almost on a whim and we ended up uh, choosing that name for our platform and really focus on European tech because nobody else was doing it right so we saw a gap in the market but I do have to say even 2013 that was a bit of a gamble because we could see the movement but it was nowhere near where, where we are today right so it was still a bit of a risky move I would say yeah for sure so you guys can really say that you are pioneers in 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 this sense uh, so okay what is your personal beats like what kind of stories do you get excited about when you hear of them uh, yeah that's a question that has many answers um, but I will say that one of my, my things that I think about the most at least is uh, ecosystems right like how do ecosystems form how do they assist in helping companies scale um, what elements do you have in ecosystems in startup ecosystems around the world uh, but how do they compare to each other how are they different how are they similar what can ecosystems learn from one another so this environment where startups and scale-ups can grow is what I'm really interested in uh, aside from that I still get very very uh, excited about technology itself I feel like when you when you're a technology journalist you're like at a, a front row seat to the future in a way right you see stuff that is going to be mainstream or common in five to ten years from now sometimes but you already get a glimpse of that future and it's very difficult sometimes to predict how things are going to play out but you can see the potential and that still excites me like every day right yeah yeah for sure i understand that completely working previously on the funding side of the table with angel investors and right. facilitating angel investment rounds i've always told my family and friends who by the way don't understand anything what i what i do but i always say like i work in the future because that's how it really feels mm -hmm. so i understand that's you good there. i'm gonna steal that line yeah <laughs> yeah true um okay so if you could share maybe one example or or well let's just say one that comes to mind of your like favorite story or maybe the one that got most visibility can you remember any good examples of that <laughs> that's a very very tough question we write so many stories per day um, i'll give a very general answer while i'm thinking of a specific one the general answer is that you write about startups when they're super young pre-seed early stage just a guy or, or a girl with an idea trying to bring it to fruition and then you fast forward five to ten years and you've been covering this company and suddenly they're like a scale up and a unicorn or the IPO on Nasdaq and that is what I really enjoy you see them grow up almost like your, your own kids or your baby uh, not really because yeah, you're on the sidelines of course so you don't you don't get operationally involved but it, it's fun to watch a ecosystem or a company mature it's, it, it's a beautiful thing to see right so I really admire and respect the entrepreneurs that do that so any one of these stories I think is is worth mentioning uh, rather than a specific one uh, I would get I would say like the ones that get most visibility are not necessarily the best ones um, I'm, I'm very um, I'm very adamant about not being being sensationalist or, or writing a story just because it's a well-known company we do try to focus also on early stage startups even the, the ones that are have no reputation they might only get a few clicks or views but for them it matters a lot so I do feel like we have to cater to the ecosystem in a way as well um, I, I know that doesn't really answer your question and I'm really sorry no 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 it does it does and I kind of wanna wanna like grab onto one of the points you mentioned that you know in, in the past years you maybe had to wait a few years to see these companies develop but aren't the funding round sizes and yeah. like the, the, the 
like the pure pace the companies are growing it has gone mental so yeah. what well, how does this show in in Tekiu's editorial room i bet it does <laughs> it does it, it you know when a company used to raise 100 million euro for example or more that would be the news for a few weeks and now it's like you have two of these stories a day almost right so you get sort of in a way uh, not jaded i would say but kind of used to it after a while that the funding is just going up there is just a lot of money in the market and these companies are being funded with higher valuations and more cash and and it's a normal thing ecosystems mature that's going to happen but you as a media company also sort of have to evolve with it and then the kind of stories that you report also have to reflect the uh, what the ecosystem looks like what these companies are doing what the funding landscape looks like at the same time you don't want to fall into the trap of you know we're only going to cover companies that raise 50 million or more from now on because there's so many now we can focus just on that and it will get more attention and it's probably easier we choose the hard way and actually still cover like the small funding rounds the pre-seed the early stage uh, companies in eastern europe that might not get international recognition if we don't write about them you know so we do still try to to look at the sort of early stage of the market as well right speaking of evolving tech eu so you guys actually had a big news of your own about being acquired just a few months back so tell tell me more about that what, yeah. what happened there and what is the big sort of a goal mission yeah. you guys are aiming for yeah it's kind of a yeah uh it's kind of funny to be on the other side of the fence where you have to release news <laughs> i was really used to it. Uh, but yes we did get acquired we then got acquired by a company called webrasi uh, they are a, a very dominant tech media publisher in turkey uh, published most of most of their articles in turkish as well um, and they're very similar to us in the sense that they're a media slash market research slash events company so very similar to what we do but bigger right so they they have a bigger team they have more revenue um, and for them they wanted to expand outside of turkey into europe we needed more resources, as you said, to cover the, the changing ecosystem more adequately and efficiently. So it was like a win-win. Like we, we both won if we if we came together and they ended up uh, acquiring uh, TechEU outright. So they bought 100% of the company um, to scale things up. So that's, uh, that's sort of a reflection of what the, the ecosystem looks like. That wouldn't have happened three years ago uh, because it wouldn't have made sense. But today it makes sense. So. Perfect. Well, once again, congratulations on, on that. It must be exciting. Uh, and okay, so tell us a bit about how you work. How does your editorial process kind of go? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start with sort of uh, the way it was at TechCrunch and the next web maybe, uh, where we had sort of a, a one email for the whole editorial team and then everyone would get it and then you would go on your Slack or Yammer back then channel and just distribute who's the best fit who's available who's who knows the most about this topic and it's always on because the news is very competitive so you have to be fast you have to um, have the right tools to pick the right stories and give it to the right journalist um, now at TechEU we're a much smaller team I write from time to time but it's mostly uh, Dan our news editor uh, we have a, of course a network of freelance journalists as well um, so the process is largely the same but you can take a bit more time to figure out like what do we want to cover how do we want to cover it like what angle are, are we taking uh, sometimes take a step back and also bring data and analysis uh, rather than just the news so, because i think people are looking more for insights rather than the news because that's relatively easy to get uh, so that's also what we'll evolve to as a company uh, but on the editorial front we're so small that there is no real process we use trello 
uh, you know, one of these workspace tools to, to gather all the information and to distribute it and, and make sure that there's some structure. But other than that, it doesn't really differ all that much from, from big newsrooms, I would say. Right. So um, moving up bit towards pitching and, and receiving those pitches because you guys must get a lot of them as you said and, and in a fast pace. Can you name one of the best pitches you've ever gotten and, and if you can tell anything what was it about? Like can you think of one example? No, I, I get that question quite often. I, I think a lot of the pitches are mediocre. Not a lot of them are bad and not a lot of them are good. Like a lot of them are just look the same. Um, there, we're the leading. Uh, this, we're revolutionary. We're game changing. So you start filtering out these words, and then it just comes down to how quickly can someone convey why they're doing something, not what they do, but why are they doing this? Like, how are they gonna? What solve? What problem are they solving? Why are they the team to to fix that problem? And I very often miss that in in pitches, where essentially you have to convince me that this is we're thinking about, we're reading about, we're writing about at the end, but at the first I want to learn about it. So you have to want to, you, you want to make a journalist curious. And you also want to relate to their audience. You just don't just want to address the journalist, you want to address you know, the, the audience that they're addressing. So you have to sort of take a big picture view, place it into context. Uh, if you pitch a journalist, always try to see the big picture, paint the competitive landscape yourself. Um, so we have an idea of like where are you coming from, uh, who are you, why are you doing this, how is it different from other stuff in the market. Uh, so those are good pitches, I would say. Um, but I will give a, a, a direct answer to your question that sometimes people make it relatable. They'll say, hey, I've been following your Twitter for a while. Uh, your bio says you like Belgian beer. My favorite is Triple Camelite. What is yours? And it just, it, it, you know, it captures your attention because you know they've done their homework. Right, at the very least they checked out your profile. You wouldn't believe how many pitches I get. Like, hey, first name, or hey, um, Sonia, or whatever. We don't have a Sonia on our team, just to be clear. Uh, you know what I mean? So that already puts you ahead of 90% of the pitches that we get, just being human and relatable and, and, and doing your homework. Yeah, yeah, for sure, I can understand that. And especially in the amount of, of emails everybody receives every day, like be as precise as, as possible. And maybe would you say something of that sort might even be an issue. At least that's the thinking in the Nordics that our companies are very good in technology and they understand that they are engineers by heart, at least us Finns but then conveying the why like, and, and the bigger impact is a bit of an issue. Yeah, I don't think it's specific to the Nordics at all. I think it's specific to the tech industry, where essentially you have founders of companies coming from a technical background and don't necessarily have the skills uh, to communicate or to form narratives or PR or marketing. Um, I find that the best ones don't hire for it. The best ones learn those skills themselves because you can educate yourself on storytelling and, and, and and how to communicate more effectively. Uh, but if you don't make the effort, then you're gonna have a tough time because you need those kind of skills not just to get publicity uh, from, from publications or journalists. You need them to hire, you need them to raise funding, you need them to bring in customers and partners. So those are very valuable skills. And I find it's not because you come from a tech background that you don't uh, want to make an effort to learn those skills. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody can 
it's just sometimes some, sometimes it's in people's nature, sometimes it isn't. But yes, uh, in, in Europe, I would say, and but also beyond, like tech founders tend to not have those skills from the get-go. They need to learn them. And, and, and I find that we, we wait too long. Like in, in the US, people would educate themselves and get better at it even before they have a product. And, and we would spend like three years building a product and then sort of, and now, now we're coming into the market, so we need some publicity. So that should be from day one, you know, part of the focus. Exactly, exactly. Great insights. And I, I love that that tip of like a healthy level of stalking to, to the journalist you are pitching to. Like, and then like, yeah, I, I saw you, you cook something in the <laughs> well, I mean, morning. it's public information, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever Twitter tells us. Good. Um, but also, if I can pick on sorry, um, if I can build on that, if you become a soundboard for a journalist, you comment on their articles, you send an email with more context in a very friendly manner without pushing your own story, and you build a relationship over time. When the time comes to pitch your own startup or your own product, then it gets easier because you've already had that relationship. If you wait until you have something to announce, you're gonna have a much harder time, right? So so you wanna just be engaged, engaged on social media, but also in real life, at places like Slush. Like come say hi, come have a beer, <laughs> you know, come sing karaoke with us at the after party, and. Just you, you're a human being, so just talk to us. Yeah. Exactly. You want to build meaningful relationships, both with your customers, with the journalists, with your investors. So it's really relationship building all, all around and, yeah. and making sure it's it's mutually beneficial and, and not exactly. just one way street exactly. for sure. Um, okay. Uh, has there ever been a story that you kind of missed like you know maybe it got swamped in your your email or or you just somehow do you remember anything like bitter moments when you saw like oh i had the chance to cover that news do you remember anything like that every day every single day because we write about news so literally you cannot cover all the news in european tech every day so there's always stories you miss um i had a very very frustrating encounter last year when a unnamed European tech unicorn raised a large funding round and I've had I've known these guys for six seven years I've covered all their funding rounds and then they were like oh sorry we didn't send it to you because we didn't know you covered funding and I'm like yeah no <laughs> bullshit uh, you know so that that's sometimes things but you know it's you, you can't win them all all right so you you have to be a bit uh, a bit conscious about that um, but to answer your question um, I so, so I'll give you a concrete example. I, I just interviewed the founders of Karma Kitchen on stage here at Slush, just right before recording this podcast. Uh, and they, their story is they went out to raise 3.5 million euros last year and ended up raising almost 300 million euros instead. That's the kind of thing you read the headlines or you read the article when that news comes out. And, and it's sort of, oh, wow, that's cool or unusual. or But you never dive really deep into it. And now that I get a chance to talk to them and prepare for the panel and interview them on stage for half an hour, you learn so much more. So if anything, I would love to, even the stories that we've had that we didn't miss, I would love to sometimes go back and dive a bit deeper into them. That's my bigger frustration. It's not the news that you miss, it's the, the context that you sometimes miss when you only do news, when, you, when you're focused on news, let me put it that way. So would you say that in, in your work as a journalist, it's really difficult to balance between the rush that you have to like you know put the news out because it's it's timely it, it needs to go out 
now, but then wanting to do more research and dig deeper into the story. Yeah, yeah it's a bit of a, a dilemma at TechEU as well, because we're so good at news. Uh, you know, we've built that expertise and we know uh, we have the network and the skills. Um, and we have a platform for it, right? People know us for it. But you kind of want to do longer form analysis, um, you know, cheat sheets, more data driven research as well. But it, it, as, a, as a founder, as an editor, that's a very difficult thing to combine. Those skills don't necessarily uh, match very well. So you need different people for different types of content and we're still trying to figure even after eight years we haven't quite figured that out we have a boatload of data that we're not doing quite enough with but you need like someone who's really really good at understanding data but also communicating the insights that come out of that data to a wider audience so those are the unicorns I would say it's relatively easy to find um, news writers or journalists uh, but it's very difficult to find someone who really understands the market can work with data um, understands the audience to a degree that they can cater the content in specific formats at different times so so it's always a, always a bit of a, a struggle uh, I would say to build team but it's also that that's the most exciting part as well because once you find those people then you can do you know things that nobody else can yeah, data is really something. I, I saw a great marketing ad title on the, one of the booths which said, like, without data, what you're saying is just another human opinion. Exactly. <laughs> and we can yeah. have so many of them. <laughs> uh, so, so I like that thinking. Okay, uh, to wrap up, uh, if people need to remember one thing about, like, maybe your top uh, tip for, for companies who, who want to reach out to journalists. Yeah. I, I do a lot of these PR for startup type workshops at conferences and I always start with the same tip so I'll share it now as well the number one tip is in reality don't think about PR publicity yet like make sure that you build something for your customers uh, and, and make it amazing and make it different and make it make a dent or whatever you want to call it but do something that that shakes things up and, and, and that's worth spending your time on because I feel like entrepreneurs when you do a startup it's such a lonely difficult thing to do if you're gonna spend all that time and effort on it and you're not gonna have a social life for a while and, and not sleep well and you know if you're gonna do all of that then do it for something that's that's worth it you know that, that makes an impact so focus on that first and then publicity you can talk about you know when do you need to pitch a journalist or what do you have to write in the first paragraph You'll figure that out, but like first and foremost, focus on what you're building and who you're building it for. That's that's a great tip. And finally, what is the best way to reach you? Is it by email or, or Twitter or what would you say? How should they reach out to you? Yeah, definitely don't call me on my phone. Uh, no, but I like Twitter. I, I use it all the time. It's a very essential tool for me. So I'm Robin Waters at you know, uh, everywhere on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. So I'm easy to find. Uh, I'm, I'm very open to pictures on Twitter. I like email because I can check it whenever I want. Uh, I do get pitched a lot like on WhatsApp and Messenger. I find that sometimes a bit annoying because then you're sort of forced to answer more quickly than an email. Email is sort of doing your own time. But I'm Robin at tech.eu. Uh, feel free to reach out. Like I, I, I love email. I'm one of the few who really uh, don't mind it. So. That's a great, great thing to hear. Uh, thank you, Robin Waters, so much. Thank you for having me.
This has been the Get Known Podcast. The Get Known Podcast is produced by a San Francisco agency located in beautiful but dark in November Helsinki, Finland. To hear more interviews with journalists and PR professionals, please subscribe to the Get Known Podcast feed. You can share your comments or questions directly to me or Reta Illo by connecting with us on LinkedIn or sending an email to getknown, all one word, at sanfrancisco.fi. Looking forward to hearing from you. See you next time. Thank you.